so tonight I have a, it's a little bit of a Bible study. So I'm going to be uh, looking at many different verses. So if you want, you can uh, page along with me and we'll, we'll see if we can keep up uh, with, with all the verses I have. But most of them will be in uh, Exodus 3 uh, and in Leviticus 8 through 10. And in Numbers 16. So uh, the three, three of the first books in the Bible, uh, just after Genesis. Um, so Exodus from, from chapter 3, um, Leviticus chapters 8 through 10. We're going to find a few verses there. And then in Numbers 16, we're going to find a few verses there. Um, I titled this, this lesson here, Our God is a Consuming Fire, Dangerous, Life-Giving, or Both. So I'm going to start off with, uh, what, is, what is holiness? Um, we tend to think about holiness as the same as being moral or living moral lives, Right? Uh, or at least that is what came to mind for me when thinking about holiness. On the other hand, it felt a bit like uh, an abstract thought uh, in that it was just something really good about God, which they're both, they're both true, but I never really thought deeply about it. So when Pastor Casey asked me to share with you tonight, uh, God put it on my heart to study holiness. And I came to realize that it's much richer than just being morally good or just something really good about God. In short, holiness means to be set apart. So we'll look at what it means to means when we say God is holy or what it means for us to be holy in respect, uh, 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 in respect to God's holiness. For God to be set apart means there is none like him. He is creator and everything else from the angels, the stars, earth, everything on the earth, including us, are created. Um, so God is the creator and nothing created God. He is, was, and he always will be. Everything else is created. So he's set apart in that manner. It also means that God is the essence of abundance of life, goodness, beauty, creativity, love, patience, and everything that is good. He embodies holiness. Uh, so I hope you can see that God is set apart in a way that nothing else can be set apart. Uh, nothing else can be God or can be like God because nothing else comes close to being what and who God is. He is unique. Um, God's holiness is so good and so perfect that if anything that is not clean or pure enters God's holiness, it will be consumed or destroyed. Uh, I, want to, I want us to look at a metaphor for God's holiness. Uh, I borrowed this illustration from an application called uh, the Bible Project. 
So there is there's only one sun in our solar system. You can say it is, it is unique within our solar system. So for our metaphor, we'll say that the sun is holy. Uh, you can also say that everything around the sun is also holy because it radiates that, that heat and light out from it. So as you get closer to the sun, the, more, the closer you get, the more intense this, this holiness or, or the heat gets. Uh, so I, I'll give you a little explanation of just how intense the sun is. On August 12, 2018, we launched from Earth the Parker Solar Probe. I don't know if, if you, any of you have heard of this. Uh, it's a, it's a, a high-tech uh, probe that it was launched here from Earth to, towards the sun uh, to collect some data for scientists. So they put in many years of work to protect, protect this, uh, uh, this probe and its instruments from the sun. Uh, Earth is about 93 million miles away from the sun. Just the right amount for the sun's heat to sustain life here on our planet. So I read in an article on NASA's website that it states, for the first time in history, a spacecraft has touched the sun. NASA's Parker Solar Probe has now flown through the sun's upper atmosphere the corona, and sampled particles and magnetic fields there. So at that time, they were still 8.1 million miles away from the sun. They're claiming that they touched the sun. So from the sun's surface, uh, at that time was 8.1 million, million miles, and the plan is to get as close as 3.8 million miles from the sun before it gets too close to where it could be destroyed by the intense heat of the sun. So the sun is also good and powerful. It generates life and power here on, on our planet. Try growing a plant, for example, in complete darkness. You're not going to succeed. Uh, and here in the southwest, we know very well that if you stick your solar panels in the sunshine, you're going to generate electricity for your household or for your campsite or whatever it, the case may be. But if you get too close to the sun, it will consume you. Or if you spend long enough time in the sun without protection, like an umbrella or sunscreen, you're going to turn all kinds of shades of lobster. You're going to burn. So in the same way, we can say that God's holiness is like the sun. If you are impure and you come into the presence of God, it is dangerous to you. Not because it's bad, but because it's so good. We can see a few examples in the Bible of God's holiness being dangerous to people. In, in Hebrews 12, verse 29, it reads, For our God is a consuming fire. And in Deuteronomy 4, verse 24, it reads, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire even a jealous God. In Numbers, we read the account of the sons of Korah. Let us turn to number 16, and we're going to read there from verses 3 to 11. Uh, 
Number 16, from verse 3, it says, And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon yourselves, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spoke unto Korah and unto all the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show you, show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take your censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Hear, I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you, that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel, to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye also the priesthood, for which cause both thou and the, all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron, Aaron, that ye murmur against him? So they say, all the con- uh, in, in, in the v- verse 3 here, they say, all the congregation are holy. And who is Moses and Aaron to lift themselves above the congregation? So we know that, that the Israelites are set apart from the rest of, of the people around them. Um, but Aaron has a different role here. Um, they... In verse 10, we see here, they overreach, lifting themselves up to do what Aaron is called. They wanted the priesthood for themselves and not doing what they were called to do, of God to do, to be in the service of the tabernacle and to minister on the congregation. They are Levites and not from Aaron's seed who are priests. In verse 10, it said, and he hath brought thee near to him, And all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. So that's Moses talking to to Korah's uh, uh, Korah and his his people. In verses six and seven, we see that God Himself will show the whole congregation who is holy, set apart to be God's priest. Uh, Verses six. To seven says, This do take your censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And then if we jump jump a little further down to verse thirty-five, we see what happened to those men um, that was, was reaching 
for for being priests themselves, while they they were only called to be ministers unto the people. Uh, it says in verse thirty five here. Uh, Verse 35 says, And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. So God's holy presence presence consumes them, but he does not hurt Aaron because he is set apart holy to bring offerings to God uh, to do atonement for, for the congregation's sins. So another example here of God's holiness being dangerous is found in the account of uh, God's temple, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, which Nadab and Abihu is is Aaron's sons here. So if we can turn to Leviticus, uh, we'll start at chapter 8. So, uh, in Leviticus chapter 8 to chapter 10, we see how God set Aaron and his sons apart and how if we do not do God's will the way he tells us, his holy presence is dangerous to us. So, God tells Moses to consecrate Aaron and his sons to be holy, set apart from the congregation. Uh, We'll read here in chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. It reads, And he slew it, and Moses took off the blood of it, and put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put off the blood upon the tip of their right ear, and upon the thumb of their right hands, and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. So, we see that God set Aaron and his sons apart, and how if we uh, do not do God's will uh, the way he wants us, his holy presence can be dangerous. Uh, they, They get set apart to hear God's commands by the blood on their ears, to do his commands by the blood on his thumb and to walk in God's commands by the blood on his toe. After they are set apart, Aaron takes up his new office immediately in chapter 9 and makes atonement for himself for himself and for the Israelites by making a sin offering and a burnt offering. Then in chapter 9, 24, 9 verse 24, we read that we read 9.24, And there came a fire out from before God and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. So the, the word shouted here is, is a good word. It's not a, they, they weren't terrified at this moment. They might, might have been a little scared when they saw the fire. But the shouted here is the Hebrew word ranan, which means to shout for joy. So it is great because God accepts God Aaron's offering and atonement is made for everybody. Shortly after all of this, though, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, who are not yet supposed to carry incense 
into the temple for this is now, for now, only Aaron's job. Get this crazy idea in their heads to take up some incense burners, put fire and incense on it, and waltz into the tabernacle where God's glory is. And the same fire that came out from the Lord that consumed the, the offering came out and consumed them. So we read in Leviticus 10, verses 1 to 3, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Then, then right after this, we get some insight into why Nadab and Abihu might have gotten this idea in their head to overreach and try to take the office which does not yet belong to them, but to their dad. Uh, in in verses eight through Leviticus verses eight, uh, sorry Leviticus ten verses eight through eleven, we read that God institutes a new command for the priests. Uh, Leviticus ten verses eight through eleven says, "And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou." nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that ye may be put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord hath spoken unto them by the hand of Moses." So they were not to get drunk and get silly ideas and just waltz into God's presence um, because God is serious when it comes to how to do his will. Uh, They were not sober. And when you are in the specific office of being set apart holy, how would the congregation see the difference between holy and unholy? And between clean and unclean, if you make decisions of how to do God's will while you are drunk and not just doing his commands as he tells you. I think it, uh, that's the same for us, right? Uh, we, need to, we need to live as an example uh, for other people around us. We can't just live like the world and say we're Christians, right? So on the other hand, God's holiness can be great and life-giving. That same... That same devouring fire, holiness of God, can be great and life-giving. If you are pure and set apart and enter into the presence of God, for example, Moses and the burning bush in Exodus 3, verse 1 to 6. If you want to turn there, it says, Starting from verse 1, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, it's almost like where we live, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God, see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not hither, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So Moses there was called into God's presence. Not too close, though, but into God's presence to get instructions from him, life-giving instructions, to go to get the Israelites out of bondage, out of slavery, out of Egypt. So the same, the same way with Moses at Mount Sinai, uh, we read in Exodus 24, uh, we'll read there 17 and 18. Yeah, Exodus 24, 17 and 18 says, And the sight of the glory of the, uh, of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and get him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40, ni- uh, 40 nights. So there is a devouring fire on the mountain. Moses gets called up into this devouring fire, but he does not get burned up. Um, The same with Exodus 34. We can read there in verses 29 and 30. It says, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses was not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh unto him. Once again, Moses gets called up to the mountain as a representative of Israel. Moses steps into, the, uh, into God's glory and gets life-giving instructions from God. He gets the instructions, the Ten Commandments, with his life-giving. Um, uh, he also gets instructions for the priesthood and for the tabernacle, which is life-giving. Uh, that's where, we make, where they, at that time, made atonement for their sins. He comes off this mountain that is on fire with his face shining, because he just spent 40 days in the glory of God, in close proximity to God. So, uh, in, a, in another one, we read that uh, uh, there was murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Uh, I want to read the account here in number 16, if we can turn to number 16, verse 41 and 48. 
or 41-248. So mur- the murmuring was the bad part. We'll get to why, why the fire was, was good in this, in this illustration here. So number 16 from verse 41 says, But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. So this was uh, shortly after, after the 250 was consumed by the fire that we spoke about earlier, the people that, that uh, brought the censors uh, uh, before, the, before the Lord, and they were all consumed. So, so they're murmuring about, uh, 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 against Moses and Aaron, saying that they killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Get you up from among this congregation that I might consume them as in a moment and they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from the altar and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. So, so we see here that, uh, sorry, uh, the, the holy fire taken by the holy priest that is set apart stops this plague, and it comes between the dead and the living because atonement atonement was made for for them. So we see here that in the Old Testament, before Jesus died for our sins, for God to be holy, all he needs to do is to be God, to be the great I am. He is the embodiment of holiness, and that has not changed. But for the Israelites to be holy, they had to be doing God's commands as he desired them to be done. They needed to be made pure by purification rituals, and atonement needed to be made for them by the priests, by offering sacrifices to God. In the New Testament, Peter, referring to several verses in Leviticus where we just read from, uh, says that we should be holy Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Also, in Matthew we read how Jesus is to be baptized us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John the baptizer speaking here says in Matthew 3 verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That brings me to this point where 
we now, if we truly are saved by God's grace, can be in his presence for our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us since the time of Pentecost. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 19 to 20, um, we read, What? And I think this is one of Pastor Casey's, I think it's Pastor Casey's uh, uh, favorite verses or one of the ones that uh, uh, brought him to God, uh, brought him to, to, uh, to, to faith in God. It is, uh, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are brought, bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And then in Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus himself came down from heaven to be the final, ultimate sacrifice to atone for our sins, that at the end, when he returns, all who are in him and made pure and holy by him will not get burned up, but will be able to stand in the presence of the one true holy God and worship him by doing his commands perfectly forever and ever. So finally, I just want us to read this last passage of Scripture. Um, if you can all just turn with me then to Hebrews 9. Um, we're going to read there from uh, verse 11 to 15. So, and then we'll, we'll just read that and let it sink in. If you have time later this week, just read this passage again and ask God to help you grasp what it means. I think within these lines we can find just what it means for us to be wholly set apart for serving the only one, the one and only true God, the embodiment of holiness. It is not up to us to live morally or to be clean, but it's by the work of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Ghost. So we'll read here in um, Hebrews 9 from verse 11. We'll go through 15. It reads, But Christ being come, an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 
And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that we were under, that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. All right. So, yeah, my, if you can read that maybe later this week again, slowly uh, and prayerfully, and see if you can see that uh, only by the blood of Jesus Christ are, uh, are we able to stand in the presence of a holy God. All right.